1: Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Wright. No Alex this week. Apparently, his uni or the audio recording studio he uses is shut down and he can't access us. That's why he's not here. Uh, but yeah, you guessed it. We've still not won a game. But every match day gives us the opportunity to get that first three points. And on Saturday, Newcastle head to the Emirates to face Arsenal. But before we onto that game... We've got to address the 3-3 draw with Brentford at the weekend. Dan, is that two points dropped?
2: Oh, definitely. Brentford's on a great side and the defensive clangers and goalkeeper mistakes that we made, there's no way we shouldn't have won that game because actually, for the most part, we played all right. It was was, for the first time I've been at St James' Park in a while where I was actually entertained, so that's a positive. Um, But yeah, it's a huge, huge two points dropped.
1: I think we had more shots in the game at the weekend and we had had done all season which was you know it was a positive and the attack's not the issue it's pretty clear i mean they're great going forward i think they've scored the same amount of goals as arsenal this season uh, who we're going to we'll be talking about later of course but before we get on to anything like that carl darlow thing is last season that first part of the season he was very unlucky to be dropped for de Brafka when he came back in from his injury and since Woodman had that bad game against Man United, it seemed to have like, ruined his chances and Darlow was able to jump in. And we all thought, look, Darlow and Debravka. there's not a lot between the two. They're both very, very good goalkeepers. But in between the sticks, we've had an issue all season. And, and Darlow, without being too harsh, was the main catalyst towards us not winning at the weekend, especially that, that goal that Tony scored. I mean, he's got to be saving that. Do you think it's forced Eddie Howe's hand now that debravka has got to come in for the Arsenal game? Yeah, I'd
2: be very surprised if he doesn't change it up in goal. Um, it feels like the second goalkeeper this season who's had a real chance to make that spot his own and, and he just has failed miserably. So yeah, I I hope he brings Debravka in. I think usually Darlo's shot stopping is, is spot on, but yeah, the goal he let in, not good enough. I think De Bravka organises the back line better as well. I think that could actually make it a bit more stable, just Debravka being there, his presence. So I think that's a change that Eddie Howe will make.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you in terms of the goalkeeper, and I was talking about the other day, actually, about like, Darlow and Woodman, as their weaknesses are, that they're not commanding the back four, is that a big reason why the defence has, you know, been so rubbish this season, so Dubravka's the best keeper at the club, and if he's fit, he's got the start for me, and I think Howe said in his press conference last week that he was half fit, even though he played for Slovakia, so I don't know where that is, but I expect Dubravka to come in, and... We need, in the situation we're in, I think you'll agree with me here. We need our goalkeeper to have worldies, and I mm. can't remember this season out of the twelve games we've played, of a, of our, one of our goalkeepers making a top quality save. Am I naive here? But I, I can't remember a goalkeeper for Newcastle in these first twelve making a save where he'd go. That's unbelievable. That's you know, got us points.
2: No, I think you're right. Um, and you look back to when Debravski's been in goal on occasions that are- quite frequent it seems yeah. where we're under pressure and he's won us a point or won us three points even so yeah I, I think has done that in the past but for whatever reason since he's come back it just hasn't looked like he's had any confidence behind him at all um, whether that's because he, he's sort of aware that Debravka's waiting in the wings I, I don't know but it just seems like the pressure's a bit too much for him really and it, it's a shame because he is he has shown he's a good goalkeeper on his day but he, he needs taken out of the firing line I think
1: Yeah definitely and the next key issue that Newcastle have got is their defence you know they conceded 3 at the weekend they're averaging over 2 a game, they've got the joint worst defence in the league obviously Eddie Howe, who's come into the club, wants to play on the front foot we've seen that at the weekend, it was like a basketball game, it was a fantastic game to watch but they didn't win the match, does Howe have to change his attacking minded philosophy almost to compensate for how poor we are at the back?
2: No I I don't think so and I really hope he doesn't because Like I said before, I was entertained at the match, which is something, it's a a bit alien for Newcastle fans over the last few years, and it was just great to watch. And I think you don't have to be great. Like, you don't have to focus defensively. It's individual errors that are costing us. You know, the individual errors are maybe just as likely, if not more likely to happen, if you are inviting pressure. So for me, I, I just think we keep going the way we did against Brentford. It was really refreshing to see, even if they didn't get the three points. Um, I'm amazed. Is is Fernandez injured? Because
1: no, he's not. He hasn't.
2: He hasn't been in any of the squads. Whether it was Graham Jones or now Eddie Howe. And For me, he's he's right up there with one of our best central defenders. It, I don't really understand it.
1: Well, didn't Graham Jones turn around and, and say to the press or something like Fernandez? Either he's got the start or you can't put him in the squad. Yeah, something I mean, but, bizarre like that, wasn't it?
2: But I get that. But like, what if another defender gets injured? Like, yeah. Of course he's worth it. If he's one of your best defenders, you have him on the bench. And In terms of the Graeme Jones, you don't start Emile Kraft at centre-half over him, surely. Yeah. It, I don't understand what's gone on there because we all thought our oh, Graham Jones just mustn't rate him. But then Eddie Howe's coming as well and he hasn't he hasn't put him in. So I, I kind of assumed there must have been a knock or something, but it's
1: apparently bizarre. not. It's really bizarre. But one player who had a fantastic game, I thought, against Brentford, man of the match, definitely, Joel Linton. Remarkable, hmm. I thought he'd done everything right other than that huge, huge chance he oh. had to win the game. I mean, what's he doing? <laughs> he, St Maximan's went on a Ben Arthur-esque run, he's teared up Joe Linton, All he's got to do, he's on his right foot, shoot, he cuts inside, you go, right, he's done the defender, knock at either side of the post, you've won the game, he slips.
2: Yeah, oh. It's, oh, it's horrible. I've, I've nightmares about that. Um, and in his... I, I, if, I don't usually defend Joel but he was so good, so in his defence... When he's cut back, he has got an awful lot of space and the angle is easier. But he's just fallen over. It's so hard to watch. Oh. We've seen him do that before. Do you remember the, the 91st minute winner we scored against Southampton before we messed that up? Oh,
1: the winner that drew. The winner that wasn't a winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He
2: kind of cut, did that then and it led to the goal via... He,
1: he did it again, I'm didn't he, sure. in the first half? Yeah. Where he slipped and then won the ball back and Wilson just knocked it wide with a header.
2: Yeah. But away from that, Miss that should have won the game. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Like he, he looked like a forty million pound player for the first time ever. Really, um it's physicality. He looked, he looked a bit taller. Obviously, he's not, but he just, he just carried himself differently. He had a bit of swagger about him. I think it just shows he's a confidence player, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't had any confidence. And whatever Eddie Howe's done, or his coach and stuff have done, it's it's inspired some confidence in the lad. And yet they couldn't live with him. He was strong. He was fast. He showed a bit of trickery, which we've not really seen too much from him before. There was not a lot to dislike about his game at all. And it was, I think, he was a very popular goal scorer when he equalised at 2 2. It was great to see him get on the score sheet.
1: I mean, he deserved his goal. I mean, he's had he's a really, really tough time. But, you know, like we've mm. said countless times, it's not really his fault. He was brought into the club as like a centre forward. He's never a centre forward. But he's got all of the attributes to be a top Premier League player. He's big, he's strong. He's good on the ball I would say. He just needs to he just needs to improve the at the, at the far end of the pitch the finishing wise. But he, even his defensive work. I remember him winning the ball really deep in the game he, yeah. was, he got a, done a great challenge when Brentford were on the break. It was his best performance I thought in a Newcastle shirt. And oh, and like yeah, you by said far. before as well about he, he's a player that needs like an arm him. Jason Tindall in the in the post match press conference was was raving about him and said look, he's an incredible player and he's going to be a big part of what we're trying to do here, which that's only going to instil more confidence it's for him. Do you see it being a turning point for him Saturday? Because I certainly...
2: I think it's a massive turning point. I mean, you, I think feel like Joe Linton's quite a popular figure amongst the fan base because yeah. he always tries his hardest. And let's be honest, standards have been incredibly low, and <laughs> that's all it really takes at yeah. the minute for a Newcastle fan to get behind you. But we've never seen a player that you think, oh, he can like dominate a game, he can dominate a defence defender, but he did that time and time again on Saturday, it was a real turning point um, obviously he's not going to play that well every week, that would be unrealistic but if we can get that on a more regular basis he's going to be so useful to this team trying to stay in this division
1: Absolutely, and another player I know we didn't win, it feels like we did, I know we didn't but Jonathan <laughs> Shelby, you know Eddie Howe, before he caught Culver. hopefully he's going to be back for this weekend in the press conference I uh, singled out Shelby which I thought was very, very clever and it was that Shelvy's is probably in the same boat as Joe Linton as he needs an arm round him. You've got to make him feel special, and Eddie Howe done a great job of that, and his performance signified that he was, you know, he was back, he was back to the John Joe Shelby we seen from a few years ago. He's got a fantastic range of passing. Um, he had an all-round good game, and if we get this Shelby for the rest of the season, he's going to be massive for us, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean. We would debate, and and I've probably throughout the season said I didn't want to see him start. But if he can get that level of performance on a consistent basis, then he's one of the first names on the team sheet, really, because we haven't got anyone else that can pass a ball like that. His creativity will be really needed going forward. Um, I really liked some of his comments in an interview he did today about how Eddie Howe's been and how much harder they've worked and how much you know he wants to work harder, kind of thing. I thought that was really nice to hear. And I think his performance backed it up. So it's not just words. Like we've we've heard lots of words about John Joe before, but it feels like this time it might be backed up on the pitch, and that's reassuring to hear.
1: Yeah, about those quotes as well. He's done an interview with with Premier League TV ahead of uh, the weekend's game, and he actually spoke about being singled out by Eddie Howe, and he said it was lovely. I've never worked with him, so. To say that after one week's training, it made me really want to repay him on the Saturday and continue to repay him for as long as he's here. We've got off to a great uh, relationship, which that's that's great to see. And another interesting thing, you know, Shelby gets... We talked about this last week. Shelby, you know, his, his stereotype is that he's a lazy footballer. This is what he said about the training. He said, The first week we'd train and I'd be in bed by eight o'clock. I was knackered. <laughs> but for fitness and sharpness... He has given us an extra 5% and a rocket up our backsides. He has been spot on. Great to hear that, isn't it? Those those two quotes. That's
2: fantastic. Yeah. Just the, and also the one that I liked as well, he's talking about what Eddie Howe wants and he's telling them to get higher up the pitch and press them, press them up from the front end of the pitch and he said it's more enjoyable than sitting back mm-hmm. and defending. So it just shows to me the players can't have been happy playing the way yeah. they were. They didn't look happy on the pitch and I think that is why they've... We've got such miserable results early on in the season. I think, for me, that was a huge positive of the Brentford game. Although we didn't win, we pressed them really high, and I really enjoy watching Newcastle press teams high because it gets the it really gets the crowd up when when they're pressing that high. And I think with the pace they've got up front, there's, there's no excuse not to do that. So for me to hear him say it and like vocalise it further is is really reassuring.
1: Do you think it's a matter of time before we start winning football games? Because you know, we can't really gloss over it. Look, the, the league table looks <laughs> pretty grim. I mean, Watford beat Man United 4-1 at the weekend. <laughs> Nearly every side around us won. I mean, Norwich have won two on the spin now. The bottom of the league—they've got six points. They're five points adrift of Leeds, who sit in 17th. It's all great, you know, playing well and playing attractive football. But re- it's a results-based business at, mm. at the bottom line. Are you confident still that we can we can stay up in this division?
2: yeah I think so. I think if we're talking about picking wins up, I think Arsenal, I think it comes too soon. I think Arsenal have better players than us, and I think we we were not gonna be massively better defensively already um but the Norwich and Burnley games after that i th- I think get six points there that'll breathe a lot of confidence into the team and I think that's all we need really um go on a little run, win a few games. And just get sort of back in the race, not points adrift. I, I, th- I think we can do it. I think we've got the players to do it.
1: We've got to be positive. That's the key thing. And what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the Arsenal game. But we've got a special guest that's going to kind of be embedded into this podcast. I spoke earlier to Arsenal Vavil editor Dan George. He is going to give us the rundown and the view from the Emirates ahead of Saturday's game. So I'm going to jump to that now and catch you on the other side. And I'm delighted to be joined by Vavil UK's Arsenal editor Dan George. Dan, welcome to Time Walk, mate. Are you good? Yeah, mate. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Great to have you on. Uh, before we get onto the game, I'm just gonna ask you generally what is the mood like in the Arsenal camp heading into this match? Because I know you lost to Liverpool the weekend, and there's no real shame in losing to them. But the play seems to be a whole lot happier. Is that true? Uh,
0: yeah. I think after the Liverpool result, obviously. The mood's kind of dampened, spirits are down uh, around that, but I think despite a lot of potentially reaction retweets that you saw online, um, there's a lot of promise and hope within this Arsenal group that it's not kind of panic stations just yet. I'd say if we weren't to win on Saturday, there'd be a reason to panic, but I think the general mood is still pretty optimistic. You never go to, uh, to Liverpool, to Anfield, expecting to come away with some sort of convincing victory. Um, and Arsenal's record at Anfield has been atrocious over the years, putting it bluntly. But I, I think the general mood is pretty optimistic uh, going into this game. And we've got some huge fixtures coming up in December. So I think it's just the target is to, to keep going with that and build upon it, uh, starting with Saturday's game against, against Newcastle.
1: Of course, the manager's always been a, a contentious topic at Arsenal, even during the, the late days of Arsene Wenger. And sure. Mikel Arteta, from an outsider looking in at Arsenal, it seems that the fan base are very split on him. Some want him to leave, some want him to stay. What's your personal view on, on Mikel Arteta and the job he's done?
0: Yeah, sure. No, um, the Arsenal fan base is notorious for being split over managers, and obviously a lot of trends have started from even back in the days of Arsene Wenger when. Uh, His reign started to come to an end and it's not something as an Arsenal fan, I'm personally too proud of our fan base being um, recognised too. However, Mikel Arteta, me personally, um, I've always been behind the manager. I think the worst time for him came at the start of this season. That's when he really started to feel a lot of pressure from the fan base. Uh, However, myself, I still was very much behind the manager because for at the start of the season, we had a lack of players um, I think at one point we had eight to nine first-teamers out due to a COVID outbreak. So you can only play with what, what you've got in front of you and Mikel Arteta, uh, when he started to have his his players, uh, his kind of pieces to the jigsaw in place, uh, you really started to see some of the um, the fruits of his labour. For example, that Tottenham game, uh, convincing away win at Leicester and a 10-game unbeaten run, which unfortunately did come to an end at Liverpool, but um, I do very much believe that Arsenal can go on one of these runs again. Um, so yeah, my general mood—I've always been behind the manager. Um, I like the manager, and I, I I do buy into the project. So um, yeah, I'm I'm fully behind him.
1: You talked about there about Arteta having the building blocks in place, and it seems he has that now. He you know he was back considerably in the summer. Do you hmm. feel he is the man though to to take Arsenal back to the Champions League?
0: I believe I do believe he can do. Um, I think. Um, this isn't the finished article. I think Arteta's Arsenal is getting there, but I don't think we have the squad depth to be competing for league titles at all or top four. I think we can compete for the top four this season, whether we get it or not is another question. Uh, but we're we're far off being at the level we want as Arsenal fans to be competing for league titles to be pushing in the Champions League and I think that will come with maybe Another two to three transfer windows if everything goes in the right direction. I do believe he can get Arsenal to those Champions League places. I do just think uh, sensible investment as well as promoting the youth, utilising the Hairland Academy, which has been so good this season. The likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Bakayo Saka, Ainsley Mate niles are just a few to mention that have come through and are now having a an effect on the first team. So I think alongside promoting youth, we've got a couple of players who are starting to come through, starting to make themselves look like pushing for first team places, as well as sensible and sufficient investment. I don't see any reason why not in maybe two years, Arsenal can't be a consistent top four, top five team
1: and obviously if you're wanting to get Champions League football it's pretty simple what you've got to do on Saturday and that's beat Newcastle convincingly of course we come to the Emirates we've not won a game all season we're sat at the bottom of the table do you see this yeah. as a walk in the park at the weekend
0: there's no easy games in the Premier League um no matter what happens no matter what no one says there's no easy games there's always someone that can beat you there's always a a Watford round the corner there's always a you know, even that season when Liverpool was fantastic and they won the title. I don't know if you remember that game at Vicarage Road. Yeah, I do. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like Those kind of games are always around the corner. Um, there's no easy games within the Premier League. And despite Newcastle being on paper potentially the worst team in the Premier League, they'll be fighting for their lives. And you will know more than anyone that this Newcastle side will be Absolutely giving everything, fighting for it. A new manager come in. Uh, Are we going to see a new manager bounce? There's no room for complacency on Saturday. Um, And Newcastle uh, will provide a threat. They've got um, lots of players that can uh, make the difference. And despite Arsenal's defence being on top for uh, up until that Liverpool game, I do believe the way that if Newcastle were to win this game, if you were to get an early goal, say, for example and unsettle this side, that really could put you in a good position, so um, it's not a walk in the park by any means, no game in this league is a walk in the park, but um, I think there are tougher games on paper, but I don't believe it to be an easy game by
1: any means. Speaking of Newcastle fighting for the lives and you know players really, really wanting to turn this form around, mm. there's one man who's going to come down to the Emirates and really, really want to put on a show and that's Joe Willock. What do you think the reception's going to be like for him on Saturday? And are you worried that he could he could come back to haunt you? That, um...
0: um, First of all, I just wanted to say massive, massive fan of Joe Willett. I personally followed him all the way from under-23s all the way through to making his appearances in pre-season to coming into the Cup games, uh, eventually the Europa League where he had a fantastic run uh, before he joined Newcastle, I remember. And he was starting to knock on the door for all that first-team place. However, Arsenal just decided that um, the priority of getting in a Martin Erdegaard was Joe Willock leaving and bringing in the funds for that was a sacrifice they were willing to make. The reception won't be a negative one for Joe. I'm a hundred percent sure that there'll be a, a nice reception. They'll always at the Emirates, whenever they, a, a player returns um, within reason, obviously I don't think Alexis Sanchez was or Robin Van Persie were treated to any of that, but um, a player like Joe Willock, he's, he's one of our own. He was one of our own uh, when you look at it and he'll get a positive reception Uh stadium announcer will go uh, welcoming back Joe Willock and um, I'm sure he'll get a nice round of applause but for 90 minutes he'll want to score against us that's the harsh reality so when Joe clicks and when he gets it right he can be a very dangerous player and obviously I remember we had a previous podcast we spoke in. you said he's been playing a bit deeper of recent Mm -hmm. and if he plays in a more advanced roles making those kind of late runs into the boxes where he can be most dangerous I think And he is a goal threat. Um, He's a goal-scoring midfielder for us. So I'm excited to see what he brings. Um, Hopefully not too much, if I'm being (laughs) honest. But um, I think Joe Willock's a fantastic player and he's a really good signing and one of those players that you can build this new Newcastle side around.
1: Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with you, mate. And other than Willock... Is there any Newcastle players, I know we, we jokingly, we done a podcast yesterday, Dan said to me before, should we do like a combined 11 between Newcastle and Arsenal? <laughs> and I was like, it's probably only Alan St-Maximan who gets into your team. So is there any Newcastle players that, that you do fear on Saturday could be, you know, a real, real worry for Arsenal?
0: I mean, you, you said it, Alan St-Maximan is, is the, the man uh, who, when he gets on the ball and he starts running at players, it just really does kind of just, you, you kind of grab the handles in your seat, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. Alan Maximan. I'm. If I'm being completely honest, this is a game where I feel just kind of grateful that Granite Shack is not around for because um, <laughs> I think
1: loves a red card.
0: I think he gets unfairly criticised. To be honest, I don't think he's. I think he's much underappreciated within the Premier League. However, he does dive into challenges, and when you've got, I think he's a great player. The, I think he's a great yeah, when player. you've when you've got when you've got the a player like Alan Maximan um, if there's any form of desperation within the game, Shaka would be a player that would slightly worry me if St Maximan's running at him. And I feel like he's a player that St Maximan would be told to run at. But he's the main one. I mean, he just, the way he gets past players week in, week out, um, the the flair, the kind of trickery and pace that he's got, I think it's just that end product that needs to click for him to become the full, the full finished article. Um, he's the main one that kind of strikes fear into me.
1: And from an Arsenal perspective, Dan, of course, you know, Newcastle, Looking at this game, are going to want to know who are the key threats really for Arsenal? I'm sure you're going to see Emil Smith Rowe here, right?
0: Yeah, Emil Smith Rowe had a a poor game against Liverpool, but then there again, the whole team had a poor game. You could say in that in that tie. I think he'll be coming. He'll be coming back into this game uh, with a point to prove. If he does, he does play, which I think he will. He'll want to get back into into his rhythm, into his form. And to be honest, Smith Rowe is he's been scoring goals of late. Uh, He's a fantastic player, dribbling on the ball. And I think when it comes to it as well, I don't know if Saka will start, if I'm being honest. I think Saka's really? slowly. This might just be Michael. I personally wouldn't start Saka at the weekend. I think his performances hasn't quite been hitting the heights of what the high standards he set Obviously. himself last season. If when you
1: play in Newcastle, I'm sure he'll turn up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there again, we've seen the likes of Nico Pepe and uh, Gabriel Martinelli. They've been getting no next to no minutes at all um this season. So maybe those two could come in for a game like this. Um but the main danger man of course is I'd say Emma Smithrow and I think Thomas Partey will be a player to keep an eye on because he had a poor game at Liverpool as well. And I think games like this he looks to boss that midfield. Um and the midfield is a, a place that we could look to dominate this um this weekend and maybe Ainsley Maitland-Niles might come in to be his midfield partner. But I think Smithrow and Thomas Partey will be two names to look out for uh, come Saturday.
1: Brilliant. And we'll end off with the the traditional score prediction. Dan, how do you see this game going?
0: I want to say this with uh, absolutely no disrespect to Newcastle at all. I think they're a fantastic club. And at the same time, I know that obviously I think this is a must win for us. Like we said this yesterday, I think this is a must win for Arsenal as much as it is a must win for Newcastle. Obviously, completely different circumstances. uh, But I think it will be 3-0 to Arsenal just because we need to bounce back from that Liverpool result. And at the end of the day, I think we have more firepower than Newcastle. Um, however, if Newcastle get an early goal, it could very much unsettle this Arsenal side. And that, I think, is your best chance of getting a, any kind of thing out of the game.
1: Dan, thank you very much. And and guys, Dan runs the Arsenal Vavil podcast. You can check that out on YouTube, I think it is. Go and yep. show Dan some love. I'll put his Twitter links um, when we post this out. So make sure to drop him a follow and once again, mate, thanks very much and enjoy the game and hopefully uh, Newcastle ruin your day, if that's, uh, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Absolute
0: pleasure, mate. appreciate you.
1: So it was great to hear from Dan. He's a cracking lad. Off to the game on Saturday. But like I said at the end, I hope he has a miserable day because hopefully Newcastle pull off an almighty result at the Emirates. But Dan, the, the key takeaways from what Dan said was he feels that he expects a reaction from the Liverpool game. You know, they lost 4 0, but like we said on there, there's no shame in losing 4 0 to Liverpool. They're a remarkable side. Yeah. And he's confident for the game. Of course, he's in the bottom of the league. He thinks they'll win 3 0. Fair enough, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think that is a fair enough prediction. Um, like I said before, you went and spoke to Dan. It, I think it just comes a bit too soon, this. Um, especially if. Maybe Eddie Howe not being on the training ground, I know he's got all his team there, but maybe that could have a negative impact, or not a negative impact, just not as positive as if he'd been there. And Arsenal, have they've, they lost 4-0 Liverpool, but they're on, before that, they're on a pretty good run. They're a pretty decent side this yeah. season. Seems like they've got more of an identity under Mikel Arteta. He's brought a few of his own players in, and, and they look a lot more formidable than they did last season. So I think 3-0 is a, a solid sort of prediction.
1: I mean, they've spent a pile of money. We talked about Arteta, and mm-hmm. I kind of asked him about, like, is how is Arteta being trekked by the fan base? Like, I know quite a lot of them want him out. Like, Piers Morgan's like pretty vocal on Twitter. Shock, he wants Arteta sacked after the 4 0 game. But I kind of look at it and say, look, they're fifth in the league, they're five points off Liverpool, and I think if you offered an Arsenal fan that before the start of the season, they would have took it because a lot of them thought they would finish mid-table. But I think a lack of European football. Absolutely has helped them this season. And look, they've spent a pile of money in the summer, but I thought they've spent it well, to be fair to them. I don't think they've done too badly. I mean, they should never have sold Willock, but, you know, (laughs) that's that's Newcastle's game, for one. But, you know, talking about Newcastle and and being at the Emirates, they've not won for 11 years. Not won a game at the Emirates for 11 years. It's an awful (laughs) long time. Andy Carroll got the winning goal in 2010. Do you think we get our day in the sun on Saturday?
2: I don't think so. It'd be it'd be brilliant though. I I Imagine. don't think so. it would be amazing. I I, th- I think yeah. It, it comes too soon for this group of players and the the regime. But I do think we'll give we'll give a positive account of ourselves. I think we'll try and take the game to them, which at times could actually play into their hands rather than if yeah. we were to sit back. But I still think that's the way to go. whoever you're playing, I think you've anyhow's got a philosophy and he shouldn't change it for Arsenal. He should have the trust in his players to go out there and give it a go.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, but what another thing that Dan said was he, that they've struggled against sides of the part of the bus against them. So do you mm. think maybe is tempted just to look, look, we can sit back here and pick these on the break, or do you think, look, we're just going to play the way we have we have done that Brentford game and, and give it a good go?
2: No, I, I get what you're saying about um, them having... Struggle to break teams down, but I look at the individual areas we've gone and can we honestly look at ourselves and think we we've got it in us to sit back for ninety minutes and not do something stupid? Because I really don't, <laughs> yes. I really don't think we've got that in us. So I no. think if we if we're gonna lose, we might as well take the game to them. And you know what? If you get a few goals, or whatever, anything's possible. Debravka might have a a great game and goal. I think you've got to go with an attacking outlet like we had for Brentford and and just hope that we don't. Do stupid things like we did against Brentford.
1: That's the thing. I mean, for us to win against Arsenal, firstly we've got to play very well. Second of mm-hmm. all, we've got to take our chances. I think we'll score. I don't. I don't think that's a lot to ask because these set of players going forward are very good. Yeah. I think they'll score. They'll concede. Of course they will. It's whether they can keep them out. That's the big. That's the big thing. If Newcastle's defence can turn up, they've got a legitimate chance of three points here. But Martin Dubravka's got to have a phenomenal game and goal for that to happen. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at at Arsenal's results here, and you know, they're fifth in the table. They've lost to Liverpool, but they haven't they haven't lost since they got beat five 0 off Man City in in August. If you take away that game, look, they have got a great result at Leicester, difficult place to go, beat Aston Villa, who are a good side, and, and won against Spurs. They've they've had some really good results mm-hmm. as of recent. What changes do you think they can make to that defence? Because, you know, Arsenal are going to be confident going into this game, despite them coming off a 4-0 defeat. They're going to see bottom of the league at home and see this as a game where they need to win and should win comfortably. I look at that defence and, look, Shaw came back in. I didn't think he was great, but, you know, I think he's better than what we've got. Fede Fernandez is the one I'm going to look at here. Do you think you take Clark out and put Fernandez in? Because I would. I
2: think you take Clark or LaSalle's out and put Fernandez in. And it makes an improvement. lasalle has got the goal, but I thought he was absolutely horrific against Brentford. He was—he's a complete liability. It's
1: been all season to be fair to him.
2: He ha- how many penalties has he given away already this Three season? Three or four, I think. Three, four—it's mm. just ridiculous. So f- what? And Clark's not been much better, mind. Like the, he gets the pair takes th- left-footed. The pair of them have been pretty awful, really. So either of them, I think Fernandez and Shaw and one other. I would actually stick with a back three despite what I said last week I think yeah. it's attack attacking wise we saw it, it can actually work, work pretty yeah. well when you're not camped in your own half we saw the best performance from Joe Linton in a while probably the best performance at maximum since the takeover happened and
1: probably Ryan Fraser as well coming off the bench what
2: a, what a cross assist. from Ryan Fraser uh-huh. unbelievable did he um, start
1: didn't, didn't he can get himself into this team
2: I think you can. I don't think for the Arsenal game because realistically, you would have to drop sit Maximin or Joe Linton. Oh I know Fraser's played right wing back before, so maybe that's oh, what we look out for. No,
1: no, <laughs> definitely
2: not. We've we've got a winger playing there against Brentford, so I think actually I would probably put Mankyo in to that wing back role, personally.
1: Look, I think back five is probably the way to go. Or back three, whatever way you want to look at. I certainly thought the wingers were a little bit higher up against Brentford compared to mm-hmm. what we've seen in the past. But the four, I don't think we will go to the four until January's out the way. Because I just don't think we're good enough defensively to rock up with two centre-arms. I don't even think you would do it against Norwich at all. But that's no, a agree. discussion for another day. Joe Willock is a man who we're going to obviously talk about now. It's his return to the Emirates, it's his first time playing against Arsenal. He's been a part of the academy since he was a young boy. Came to us on loan, was fantastic, signed on a permanent. And this is a huge opportunity to him to show Arsenal just what he can do. How big is this for him? Because this season, he's not hit, He's not got anywhere near the height he got last season, has he?
2: Nah, nowhere near. But I, I don't necessarily think they've been bad. I just think...
1: He's gone under his, the radar, hasn't
2: he? He's been... When we had him last season, a lot of it was due to him. But we hit a good run of form, which he took full advantage of. He's not been part of a team that's won a game this season. So it's obviously hard for him, he's had a little bit of problem with injury, found himself out of the team, but yeah, it's massive for him because he, as much as he obviously loves being at Newcastle and whatever, he would rather be playing for Arsenal and it is, like you say, it is a chance for him to prove that they were wrong and that he is the player that we all think he is and that £25 million is an absolute bargain for him like we thought he was in the
1: summer. I still think it is to be fair, looks I mean, 21 yeah, years of age, England, he's going he's gonna to be a future England player whatever way you look at it just got to hope he can he can pull off a fantastic performance and I don't think he'll need any motivating really to no absolutely no, not not at all but before we wrap up this podcast we have to end with our score prediction Arsenal away we're both off to the game um, I'm heading over. we're both setting off tomorrow afternoon you know you never this is what happens with London away days when you're from Newcastle you've got to set off the table before. <laughs> uh, so Arsenal away at the Emirates half 12 kick off on a Saturday Dan what do you think the score's going to be mate
2: I'm going to go for 3-1 to Arsenal. I think we will score, but I think defensively, we're just nowhere near good enough to keep
1: them out. I'm sick of predicting us to win, so I'm going to agree with Dan. I'm going to go 3-1 to Arsenal as well. Like you pretty much said there, we'll score, but keeping them out and the side of that quality and they're in good form despite the loss uh, last weekend. So, 3-1 defeat, but hopefully, 13th time lucky for Newcastle. Hopefully they can (laughs) finally get the win, but thanks for coming on, Dan, and thanks to Arsenal at the Dan as well for jumping on with me earlier. But this has been Time Warp brought to you by Vavel UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United as well as the rest of the Premier League and the AFL. From us two lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network